I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Friday Views. Uh, I'm your host, Reese. You can catch me on social media, Yahoo Sports Canada, PG Radio Reese. I'm with Assad, basketball analyst for Yahoo Sports. You can catch him on Slander Pod as well. One funny guy, knowledgeable guy. Assad, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How you doing, my man? Doing well, doing well. We got some things to talk about. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster these last couple weeks. Uh, uh, Toronto Raptors are kind of putting us through hell and back right now. Some inconsistent play. Two on, two off. Win here, lose there. Look like a playoff team with some high hopes and then... I don't know. Are we going to the lottery? So I just want to kind of get it started. We've been plagued by some inconsistent play, but some bright moments too. Pascal coming back, some good moments for the young guys. What are you thinking as we're coming off nice wins against the Bucks and the Wizards who have big aspirations? And then, for example, a loss against the Thunder. What are your thoughts early on with some of this inconsistent play? Uh, well, that's just what you kind of get. Like, I think when you look at the roster, you're missing your most reliable, like, you're, a, you're missing reliable guys in OG Ananobi, Ken Birch, um, even Precious Achua uh, as a, at least a defensive big is someone you can rely on as a team. And this is what you get from young teams. Like every time you see young teams around the, around the league, whether it was the teams that Bradley Beal was leading the last couple of years, uh, Russell Westbrook with those young OKC teams after Durant left, you're going to have inconsistent play because that's what young and developing players do. And especially once you're missing your more veteran players, the players that you can rely on, like Cam and OG for like, they're like OG still making his mark in this league, but he's still at least stamped as like a solid player on this team. And there's uh, institutional knowledge there. So to miss like those two guys, and then you're relying on just inconsistent players. And Nick nurse ripped into this team the other night uh, because against OKC, that third quarter, the bench guys, the guys that are filling up those roles, uh, they just straight up didn't show up and not just didn't show up from a, like you can miss shots and missing shots is one part of basketball. Like shot making is what it is, mm-hmm. but like defensive mistakes, turnovers, like just like energy. Those are things that you can't have waiver. And you can see Fred and Nick, their demeanors were not very positive after last night's game. But yeah. the things that was nice out of these last couple of games and like you'll notice is like the starters have played well, like the core guys that are Absolutely. in our core group every night, they're showing up and giving you the same type of performances and trying to carry these guys. But it's what you get when you got a young and inconsistent <laughs> bench playing and filling in. Yeah. So uh, let me get a little specific here. Raptors are two and two in their last four disappointing loss to the Grizzlies. No John Morant. It seemed like that was kind of a gimme. If you look at Vegas, they said it was a gimme. Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, pain in your ass. They hit big shots. They're yapping. They're talking a bunch of shit. Then you turn it around and you get a couple impressive wins. You beat the Wizards. They've had a good, impressive start this year. Not necessarily Brad Beal playing like a, 
a world beater or playing like that all NBA caliber guy he's always been, but they've had a lot of depth. They play hard. Uh, it's just a little bit of a different identity there. So I thought that was an impressive win. You beat the Bucks, no Giannis, but still Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday has a good game. You know, they're gearing up for another championship run. So that's not, that's not an easy one to have, especially at home where they've been struggling. And then you look at all that momentum carrying that, you know, coming off two wins, Pascal is back. Pascal looks good. And we'll talk about him more as the show goes on. And then this was just one that kind of got away from you. You had a great first half, regardless of the issues with the backups or, and some of the bench players, like you said, the starters were playing fantastic. And then they just kind of give that away. So I just want to ask you, what are some of the good things you're seeing? albeit the inconsistent play that, you know, are a cause of hope or like, you know, something to get excited about for the fan base. And then what are some of the things that you're seeing as, okay, maybe this is a pattern of bad behavior, bad, inconsistent basketball that I don't know if it's a, a thing that can be fixed throughout this season. Maybe it's more of a personal issue. Yeah. So the good stuff is that there are highs, right? Like the fact that like there are games where everything clicks and you see this team like come together. Like that's what you want to see. You have a young team. You don't want it to be all lows every single game, like every single game, same mistakes. And that's why they're losing. You want to see games where they actually put it together, they figure it out, and they make things happen. So we've seen that, and we've seen like stretches where the bench is hitting shots, the bench is not giving up on the defensive end. They're coming out with good en- energy, and they're jumping teams. And I think the last two wins that they had, both against the Wizards and the Bucks, that's where you saw Utah Watanabe coming in off the bench. And he has been – if there's anyone whose energy you can't uh, say anything about, it's Utah. Utah comes in, and he is running good. hard. Like, you'll be in a half-court set. And Utah is not part of the play. He's literally a distraction. He's just cutting from the elbow to the opposite <laughs> corner, and he's going hard. And it's like, you see guys sprinting like that. Like, he's been a bright spot. And, again, he's probably one of your top seven, eight guys when you're fully healthy in terms of, like, reliability and guys you can trust. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see that when they actually do play with energy and when they're actually, you know, focused on a game plan, the young guys do actually have upside to them. I think last year in Tampa, the thing was that you had a bunch of these guys, whether it was Stanley Johnson – and not hating on these guys, but at the end of the day, they became role players or very low ceiling role players. Whereas like their entire role was don't screw it up. They had no ceiling. It was just like, either we don't screw it up or the bottom completely falls out. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that's been encouraging the last couple of games, whether it's the Wizards or the Bucks, is you actually get the upside. It's like, oh, this guy's a world beater. Look at Delano setting up Chris Boucher on these pick and rolls on and off. Um, you see Scotty doing amazing things. And then you just see like Svi hitting shots in the half court sometimes, just like creating stuff out of nothing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. No, absolutely. Yeah. Last night's game. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it was kind of disappointing uh, last game's, you know, performance of the bench. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Nick Nurse all of a sudden calling out bench. Like he's, this has been a pattern of Nick going back to the post championship year where it felt like, okay, Pascal had the early foul trouble in 2019, 2020. I'm going to call him out. Rondé Hollis, uh, Jefferson, and a bunch of the bench guys are not struggling. And then you would expect them to respond the next week. And I think, uh, I don't know about its effectiveness anymore because it felt like back in the day when he was doing it, can't believe I'm saying back in the day, but that championship run and post-championship run, it always felt like whoever he called out in the media that night or that evening, they were having the best week of their career the following week or two weeks. And it felt like they corrected all those problems. And I don't think you got that same juice anymore. I think some of these bench guys it's like you said uh some of them might just be what they are there might not be upside i see the upside in utah you hope to have some upside with like the malachi flins of the world i've been a big chris boucher guy 
He has been essentially a non-factor this year. Svee's had some up and down basketball. So I, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword here, right? I don't know if Nick is wrong calling them out. They're not really inspiring any confidence. At the same time, I don't know what the expectation could be for some of these guys. I am happy that Utah coming off injury has been one of the few bright spots coming off the bench, one of the more consistent guys, and he's still finding his legs. Similar to Pascal, barely in the training camp, not much basketball under his legs this season, and he's coming in. He's a cutter. He's hitting shots. He's defending. It seems like out of all the bench guys, he's the one guy that's like, all right, I'm not going to overhelp if it's not necessary. I'm going to stay on my man. I'm not going to make some of those mental errors that are going to cost you, especially in the third quarter when the starters are doing a great job getting you like a seven, eight point lead at half. And then you, you kind of want to stagger those minutes a little bit and they're struggling. Speaking of the starters, I kind of want to roll this into a guy that's also come off injury and he's been fantastic. Pascal Siakam kind of turned the corner a little bit, 24 a game this month, eight rebounds, four assists, great shooting splits. I'll be not in the free throw, but 53, 57 from the field. Very impressive. He's making plays. He's hitting shots to get into the spots. I know you're a big Pascal guy. Tell me, what have you seen improvements in his game? Uh, getting his legs under him. What can you expect throughout the rest of the year? And what is it that Pascal is doing differently for his start in December rather than some of those struggling months, whether that be the bubble or early in Tampa Bay? Well, like one thing is like whenever people talk about like the Pascal struggles in the bubble, I just like write that off because it's like completely different circumstance. That's a player that's not in shape coming off the pandemic. Like it's, it's never happened after the bubble. When he came back, he was a much better player. Like even when he was, struggling with his shot it was really just a three-point shot that was off and then just like losing like when your team loses everything starts looking bad right whether whether your stats are good or great um but pascal the things that are nice to see is he's been very patient he's come back and he's been very patient with the offense he hasn't tried to force the issue at all um and when he does uh play in the units where it's him and the bench it's been unfortunate that the raptors have so many guys injured because the guys that have been hurt, whether it was Gary before this, uh, Gary and OG were out together, which is like two shooters gone, right? Utah just recently came back, but he's your other shooter. And then it basically left Pascal bench unit. is Pascal playing with Scotty, Delano, Svi, and one of those bigs. And it's like, well, there's no, there's no spacing. And that's something that we saw in the OKC game as well. At the beginning of the fourth quarter, you get Pascal out there. And I look at the lineup, I'm like, uh-oh. You got Pascal, Champagny, um, there's Pascal, Champagne, Delano, Scotty, and I think – I forget who the fifth was, but that was Svi. Svi was your only shooter. He's not hitting shots, and it's like, okay, now Pascal's playing one-on-five, drawing the entire team into the paint, and it's like, all right, either do you want Pascal to shoot over the defense over and over again and force those shots, or do you want him to draw the help and kick out for the open shot? And I think the last couple of weeks we've been seeing he's been very patient to keep staying with the process in the team game. Uh, but then we've also seen, like – when he gets going, he gets going. He the beginning of that OKC game, he forces advantages. Whenever he got a mismatch, he attacks it hard. And his middies looked really good. Like the fact of the matter is he's shooting the mid-range more than he ever has. And he's shooting at a higher clip. And all of his shooting stats across the board are up from the previous year. And most importantly, it's his two-point percentage continues to rise. It was it's up from from the championship year. The championship year, Pascal, he was attacking advantages. He was like secondary option on offense coming off catching off of an already tilted defense. So he had great numbers at the rim in the, in the little like three to 10 area, in the floater range that fell off, even though in the 2019 year, he was shooting three ball more. He was attacking from the top of the key. Those easy opportunities went away. His numbers went down since then, they are finally rising back up to those levels and his usage has stayed more or less the same. 
So it's been cool to see that. And I'd like to see how Pascal and Scotty have learned how to play off each other. There's a lot of two-man game. Um, like, they'll be constantly finding each other, which has been great. And honestly, like, if this is the Pascal we get for the whole season, this is awesome. Because it's a pretty good one. If you're healthy, you- and I still believe in core, and I don't, I don't know, and you can speak to this too, but, like, the core of these guys should still work. Like, in theory, like, there's no reason why once you're healthy, these guys aren't a goddamn good team. Well, I want to follow that up. You you brought up Siakam's coexistence with Scotty Barnes. You follow social media. You read. There's been some questions about, especially those early struggles in that first week, week and a half, Pascal coming back from injury. Hey, hey I, I'm one of them. You know, what you see is what you believe sometimes. There were some questions um, about the fit between Pascal Siakam, Scotty OG, not even just now, but moving forward as an organization, his role, is he a number one? How can he coexist with Scotty, especially Scotty Barnes emerges not only as a creator defender, but also as a scorer. What have you seen early with that fit, especially once Siakam kind of got his legs under him? I know you mentioned the two man game. What are your thoughts? Can Pascal kind of fit with Scotty? And once OG comes back, can that be like a trio to be very excited about? So, so my whole thing with this conversation, why it never really made sense to me was it's like, it's like, all right, who has to be number one, number two, number three? It's, it's, it's fine thought to have, but like that matters more when you have high volume scorers on your team, right? None of these guys are by nature, high volume scorers. They're all efficient scorers. They're good scorers. They can score and create advantages, but none of them are like Kyrie Irving or like a James Harden where it's like, you got to get a bunch of shots up. Like your, your, your stats are going to come from volume. So like, I think the entire team building philosophy was like, hey, we have a bunch of guys who can draw an advantage and then make a play off of it. So you have these players that are so multifaceted where I don't think it should matter who number one, number two, number three is. At the end of the day, Pascal is your number one guy. And the only reason he's your number one guy in a sense on this team is because he's the guy who can actually beat somebody off the dribble and draw an advantage. He's got he's got blow by speed on him. He's got Scotty. good ISO numbers this year, too, in limited. Yeah. You know, then Pascal's always had good. Um, PPP on ISOs, like his points for possessions have always been good on ISOs. It just really depends on, because even last season, one of the things people would hate on, like the ISOs that would break down, the shots not dropping. But Pascal drew a lot of help and he's very good at kicking out when he gets help. He makes that pass very quickly. And that's kind of where the Raptors are going to go. They're going to have him, OG, and Scotty, who are just going to be in hell space where as soon as you send the help, kicks out to one of them, they can attack again, they can attack again. You kind of run the cycle, right? And then being able to pass so quickly is how you how you beat a rotating defense. So I never saw it Absolutely. as being an issue. And it's like you never complain about like like you look at the best teams in the league, like the Golden State um, historically or any LeBron Laker team where it's like any LeBron team. It's like you have all these stars on a team and nobody ever worries about, well, who, who's the number one guy on this team? It's like, no, you have a bunch of dudes who can take over. Right. And sure, like. Yep, you got to draw the last stop. play for somebody, but I don't know why it would ever be a problem to have too many really good guys on a team. Like it feels like a dumb thing to argue about. Before we shift into the next topic, myself, some people, we like what we see from Pascal, especially these last couple of weeks. Um, I, again, it's his reputation among the fan base has been high, low. Not everyone's going to say the most amazing things. Not all the criticism is fair. Some criticism, I think it when you're not playing up to the ability that we see and on some occasions, I can see why some fans, especially like myself, be upset. If you see this type of Pascal as the schedule gets a little bit tougher, I know we play the Knicks and the Nets coming up here, I believe. Some of these tougher teams, 
what can we expect? Can we expect this type of Pascal? Can you hope to get this type of Pascal? And what happens if necessarily or there is some type of neutralization of his game here? Is that a cause of concern or he's still a really good player that still needs to be valued by everybody and we're kind of all tripping here? So I think the cause for concern, and it's not even has to do with specifically Pascal, it's the same issue that's going to happen to Fred. It's going to the same issue that you're going to see with Gary. It's like without having OG back, there's just, and this happened before Gary came back. You saw it when it was just Fred and Pascal. Teams are selling out their defense to just take, like it's the same way that Nick Nurse guards other stars, right? Where you just send all your defense to their star player. That's why Steph Curry only gets like 11 shots in a game versus us, right? And that's how you stop all these stars. But like you just double them, triple them, make them pass the ball. And mm-hmm. that's a problem they're obviously going to face. They're already seeing this with Fred Van Vliet the last few games. Memphis started it where they're just sending two guys to him on every single screen and making him give up the ball. That's what's going to become, I think, a little bit more concerning for me going on the stretch is you're playing better defensive teams in theory or better teams that have a little bit more talent. And they're going mm-hmm. to they're going to say, all right, we're going to make these other dudes beat us because they don't have other dudes right now. And that's, that's where the tricky part gets in. And that's actually like when you talk about the bench like not doing well, that's why teams guard uh, those bench lineups. So I'll just the OKC game's the most recent, so I'll bring it up. But the end of the end of the third quarter, it was Fred in the bench, and o- and OKC just sold out on defense on anybody for Fred. And Same thing everybody else with Pascal. So what you're gonna see in those opportunities is that's where guys like if the bench guys are playing well, then you're gonna see an explosion where Pascal needs to be playing in one-on-one situations. If he's going up against three dudes, three help defenders you're basically just settling for jump shots and hoping for the best, but that's almost with any player. So, okay. So I want to segue this into the bench. Then we touched on touch base on them earlier for some of the inconsistent play with, with the team, especially since there's a positive net rating with the starters for the most part, they've been fantastic. It feels like Scotty Barnes has been better defensively precious while he's still kind of, he's figuring his shit out offensively. I think he's been a bright spot defensively, especially with no Ken Birch, who kind of stabilized that center position. But for the most part, Goran Dragic's not returning. I don't think ever back to Toronto. Malachi Flynn, you were hoping to get that second year leap. Hasn't been good at all. Chris Boucher, a guy that I sold as maybe there's more to his game, especially after an impressive post-bubble year last year. Looks like that might not be it. I hope he can turn it around. And Sfi has been inconsistent at best. So, like, why has the bench just been bad? Like, they're not good. I apologize. They're not good. Why have they been bad? Oh, is there any way they can turn it around? <laughs> is there hope? Because just we're used to bench mobs. We're, 20, you know, 2018, 2019, we're used to it. And it's just there's no mob here. Yeah. So just tell me what are some of your – early thoughts it's only been a couple months so one piece is like you just got to play better like there's no reason for you coming off the bench you're only going to play 10 minutes and you're like not playing hard and there will legitimately be times and like you talked about nick nurse calling people out in the media here's one thing i'll say about nick nurse calling people out unlike other coaches nick even though if he calls out i don't know how much the call out matters because he still gives these players opportunities afterwards malachi flynn i'll talk about him in a minute why he doesn't get opportunities but like the rest of these guys like chris boucher keeps playing every other game like he got benched for a couple games, but he kept getting more opportunities. And I love Chris. He's so letting me down. Nick lets you play. And I love Chris Boucher too. Like I personally was a big fan last season. I was going, I'm like, this season's going to be his, right? <laughs> but there is just like with Chris, it was really disappointing because the stuff he messes up on is stuff that as a veteran player, he shouldn't be like, he should be playing smarter. He shouldn't be making as many mistakes. And it's really the amount of mistakes that have been like mind numbing. It's like, why 
can't you guys finish a fast break? Like, why is a fast break leading to a turnover? Why are there two guys closing out to the same guy constantly? And like, you're only playing for five to 10 minutes in a game. Like you shouldn't be able to make as many mistakes as you're making. So that's, that's, what's been really frustrating. I think. Uh, so quickly jump in on that point. It's funny that you uh, mentioned uh, fast break bread and butter of the Raptors offense has always been the fast break. These last three, four years, I'd like to say while they're up there in frequency, still up top five, top five in points, field goal percentages, bottom 10 turnovers, top 10 peep that today. So hope yeah. you're impressed. Go ahead. Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause like, how are you supposed to get your fast break started? If you're constantly taking the ball under your own basket, like, you got to like making these defensive mistakes is what's killing any chance of fast break offense for that bench. It's terrible. But the one thing I'll, I'll talk about Malcolm Flynn, cause I was actually thinking about this the other, the other day. And it's like a kind of a thing I'm kind of theorizing is the thought process on it. So when Gary was hurt, we saw Malachi play because I guess the point of playing Malachi is like, he gives you like um, someone who can shoot off the shoot off the dribble, or at least can get a shot up off the dribble. And he gives you a catch and shoot guy. Um, the problem is with Malachi Flynn is I think Nick doesn't want to play him without an actual backline center because it's just too small. Is it because of a size? Okay. It's just a size thing where like if Malachi gets caught in switches, if you don't have a backline big who can actually come over and help, then it's impossible to play him. So you play Delano instead. And usually the bench is a lot of six, nine dudes at the same time. And honestly, Malachi just hasn't shot well enough to make himself needed. Like if Malachi was shooting better and the opportunities he had, he had a great opportunity the other week and he just couldn't hit a shot. And it was like, man, he still provides a lot of zip in the half court. But if you can't, if he can't be a catch and shoot three point shooter, it's going to be tough for him to find minutes this season. And the Raptors just don't have a role threat for him to play with. Is that frustrating? Um, Malachi Flynn projected at the very least is a defensive player of the year in this conference was a big pull up three, especially from three threat pick and roll creator that was kind of his all right maybe there's not a lot to his game but the, the two three things that in his game that he could provide at the next level expect at the very least you're going to get a league average to above league average is that somewhat of a disappointing big especially when you play memphis yeah. and desmond bain just looks like desmond bain i'm surprising everybody you've been kicking everybody's butt but yeah. like with malachi it's like it's not even his on-ball defense is bad he's actually decent he'll make the right rotations the problem is like with the amount of switching the raptors are doing there's just like Malachi will find himself in the like getting buried in the paint off a switch, mm-hmm. right? Which is tough like to deal with. In terms of the shooting, it's just like the Raptors just don't have anybody on like nobody who on the bench sets a good screen, good screen. Like look no. through the bed, like Chris Boucher is your screen setter, like good lord, <laughs> right? Precious like is jacked as hell and can barely make contact on the screen or know where to go off of it, right? So mm-hmm. it's just tough. And like we saw last year, Malachi was great. Like in that back half of the season, he played a ton of minutes. He played with guys who could set screens. Right month. He was scoring, he was hitting shots, and he was doing a good job. So I think for him, it's just a the team structure is just like not made for him to be able to be successful right now. So again, he's got to develop. You've got to become a catch and shoot three point shooter. You can't just be a off the dribble guy or off a screen guy. You got to be able to catch and shoot a little bit. So absolutely. It's wanna... because he might he might get traded potentially if there is a trade and we might want to talk about potentially some Absolutely. of the roster construction stuff, but like this, it's where the fun happens. All right. So uh this recording is happening on 12-9. And the reason why I snitch on us like this is uh 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We kind of segue to personnel discussion. Shams reports the Indiana Pacers are considering the possibility of kind of kickstarting that rebuild. Poor performance, 11 and 16 start. They just re-upped Malcolm Brogdon. They kind of endorsed that core group, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis. These are good basketball players. You know, they just traded for Karis LeVert last year. There's kind of the hopes that maybe we're not a championship team, but we're at least the playoff team. And if we're well coached, they they add Coach Carlisle. Uh, they bring him into the fold. We're going to be tough. We're a veteran team. We're going to get stops. And we got a, a bunch of guys that can do you know, a multitude of things. Now they're looking to begin a rebuild names that have brought, been brought up Sabonis, Miles Turner. The Raptors have a clear need at the front court. Miles Turner has been a big name that's been brought up within our circles, social media circles. I'm a big fan of his game ranging back to 2013, 2014, 2015 at Texas. I think spent two years out there. Uh, do you see Messiah and Bobby being players in those sweepstakes? And uh, if so, what does the fit on both ends look like? What can Miles bring? What do we need? And what are you willing to potentially give up for something like that? Well, Miles Turner is a cool player. Um, it's it's a little weird though, right? Like you're being being the way the Raptors are as a development team is like you. Miles Turner is definitely like the piece that you need to like. He's like probably like an ideal role player, like five, like he's your fifth man on your starting lineup, and as that big who can do all those things that you need to fill. So when you make a championship push, that's the type of five you want. So it's always like, that's the type of guy you want to acquire. The thing is, is like, are the Raptors currently in a position to be acquiring that piece? Or are you still maybe a year away from, you know, making those moves? Good point. Cause you gotta like to make that trade, you're going to have to give up some draft capital. You might not have enough players to actually make that trade without it. So do you go all in this year? And that's, that's a tough thing for, I think Masai and Bobby to figure out. And it's going to be, it sucks that OG and Kem are hurt and I hope that they come back a little bit earlier in December rather than missing all of December. Cause honestly, if the Raptors can make a bit of a push here in December, January, before that trade deadline hits, that's where like, if your team's doing well, you're above 500, then it's like, and you're playing well and you can see the core guys are playing well, then you can go in and get a mouse turn and be like, all right, I feel comfortable making this move because it solidifies us as a top four team in the East for the next like three years. Talking about Miles Turner specifically, like, and like, I'm sure you're a big fan of Miles Turner as well. Like, he's nice. The guy, the guy learned how to shoot the ball. He's a he's great spacer around Sabonis. He's played around teams that like guys who are high usage and can't really space, and he's been the spacer on those teams. 
mm-hmm. and he blocked shots. He might not be the best defensive rebounder, but again, like you had Serge and Mark on the team who weren't the best defensive rebounders either, but you just need the spacing. And I think him and Pascal would be a great fit. It would also help Scotty. I know just um, the Raptors played a lineup with their starters and Scotty at the five, basically. I think they had Chris Boucher out there who, or another player that was drawing a little bit of more gravity. So the center, like the, the paint was a little less clogged and Scotty was cooking because one of the mm-hmm. biggest issues I have with Scotty and Precious playing in the starting lineup together is there's just not enough spacing when you have two non-shooters. Similar with Scotty and Birch, it's a little bit more difficult. Birch is a little bit smarter in knowing how to get out of the way, but Scotty around four spacing, like four dudes who can shoot, that would open up his game, especially where he becomes like this like super Draymond who can just keep like initiating and keep the uh, half court zipping. I love Miles as a player. It's going to be tough to get him though. Like you're going to have to trade a Gary plus a pick at the minimum. Yeah, it, it's not going to be a Malachi, Chris Boucher, and a couple second round picks like some people are saying. He's 25 years old. He kind of fits, I'd like to say, the timeline a little bit, right? Scotty Barnes is much better than we thought at 20 years old. The OG is kind of taking a step a little bit. Maybe not. It doesn't always look aesthetically pleasing with him, but he's still an elite defender that's going to get you 20 a game, and he's a knockdown shooter. You're going to keep him in the fold. He's got the prototype of what you want in today's wing. Pascal, the jury's out a little bit, but the Pascal that I've been seeing these last couple of weeks, that's going to cost an arm and a leg to get rid of him. You might as well keep him. He's been fantastic. So a couple of things I want to ask you. Miles Turner wants more touches. Do you think that's a threat to take touches away from Scotty, OG, Pascal, who are ultimately kind of what you're building around? And two, how does he kind of fit the timeline? I know you mentioned if we were a little bit better, that that's something you might be wanting to pull the trigger on. But as a 25-year-old center, he's got another year left on his deal. The type of guy you might want to kind of bet on the upside. A lot of the lack of scoring is the things that he's also good at beyond spotting. Sabonis is fantastic. Sabonis is a great role man, a playmaker as a role man. Sabonis is good at the post. Uh, There's just a lot more dynamism in Sabonis's game that kind of hurts miles because miles is still good at these things, yeah. but he can't really show you. There's so just a redundancy to... in their skills there. Right. That's what like, Absolutely. basically like they, they overlap too much. And that's where I think, I think when he comes, if he came to the Raptors, he would get more touches just because the type of touches he gets are ones that don't exist on the team right now. Like you don't have a role man to do anything with that ball. Right. So now Absolutely. you have a pick and roll partner for Fred. You have a pick and roll p- partner for Pascal, frankly, and Scotty, like, both, like you have four players on your roster that attack from above the breakdown and miles is a guy who sets a screen role and then can play from in there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think he gets a little bit more touches. I don't know what type, like if he wants to be featured like a Carl Anthony towns and like, I don't know. I don't know if he still wants the team like, for you. I'm trying to see if, is he trying to be the number one guy wherever he goes, or is he just trying to be on a winning situation where he's trying to he's get paid getting, he's getting more touches. That's also true. Cause he's up for a contract yeah. and that's, Probably one of the reasons why, if you're Messiah and Bobby, you kind of have to think about it. It's really tough to get guys in Toronto in free agency. Um, so trading for them just before a contract is basically like doing their free agency work, right? You pitch them for the year, and then you can offer them more than anybody else. Uh, and I think he's really interesting. It's just like it's tough to see how you do the trade. Like, What about Sabonis? Like, what, what, what do you think on that Sabonis? front? I, 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 Miles Turner is the obvious one. There's a need at five. I don't – Sabonis is not a five, but I've seen like – there's a silent minority as that yeah. athletic article came out that people are like, whoa, 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 you know, in this scheme, 
of the Raptors where outside of Van Fleet, you're running a bunch of six, nine long versatile guys. I don't think Sabonis is the defender, you know, that yeah. we have it's, here, but Sabonis he's a very tricky, good player. Though. The thing about Sabonis is like, now you're, now you're getting to a guy who might overlap and score in the same spaces that Pascal and Scotty, right? Right. Where Pascal and Scotty, they, they'll work out of those uh, high, like those high elbow ranges and then work from there. So Sabonis would be great, but how do you talk a dude who's made a bunch of all-star teams to potentially, you know, Take be a like a, a be a bench leader almost, right? Like, cause most likely in the starting unit, he's not going to get as many touches and then he's, but he'd be great for like him, Fred and the bench. That's an incredible offense that you can carry with. Right. I think, absolutely. I think Sabonis is too high usage. Like to get the use out of him, you have to give him touches in a way that Miles Turner doesn't necessarily need touches to still be a plus on the court. So, absolutely. And also I think he's just going to cost way too much. I think Sabonis is going to get uh, a lot of real packages from real teams and that's mm-hmm. wild, but hey, is there anybody else that interests you on the Pacers? Like uh, I saw a couple well, of things, a reason uh, why the Pacers suck every year, right? It's because they got a <laughs> bunch of dudes who just aren't good enough. They're like, in absolutely. my, in my view, the Pacers are very much like the Raptors, except that the Raptors have like, I think just slightly better versions of each of those type of players. Like they're the younger. Raptors four guys are younger and they're just a bit better. Like there there's more, upside on the Raptor players than there is on those Pacer players. They're very good players. They're, there's not much greatness in any of them. Absolutely. But, and uh, I, I saw an interesting point that uh, they have very few minimum guys and they have no max guys, just a yeah. bunch of <laughs> slightly above mid-level exception, 18 to 25, 26. So the cap is cluttered, but they're somewhat movable. There's no, uh, and, and I'll put this, I don't know if it was the, someone from the athletic that said this or uh, a Pacers beat writer, there's no excitement, no enthusiasm in going to Pacers games. It's like, why'd you go to a Pacers game? Who do you want to specifically see? Like who, who brings juice to the team? Even though like everybody is like, they have like, it's almost like going to watch a bunch of accounts. Like it's like, nobody (laughs) is like Malcolm Brogdon, like love him. Like pretty good solid player, but like the dude is quite possibly one of the most boring dudes in the league. Oh, absolutely. Like, to watch play like it's very boring basketball and like Karis LeVert is probably the most like electric player they have the dude does not know how to pass the ball and he has a lot of health health issues like he's almost injured every single season hard his play too so it's it's hard it's hard to take that guy on right uh I, I saw something uh outside chance that uh teams would be interested in giving up draft capital and I don't think the Raptors would be in this uh in this equation for Chris Duarte out of Oregon, because he's 24 years old. Someone made the point that this is going to be the best you're probably ever going to see from him at the cheapest he's ever going to be. And if they're rebuilding, I don't, I've, I've seen Chris Duarte, first of all, win me some money when he's at Oregon on the parlay, shout out him. He's going to be a good player in this league. Knockdown shooter can defend. He's kind of like a guard wing tweener. Is that anything of interest to you? But he doesn't necessarily fit the timeline if they're going to do a full rebuild because he's not it's, the guy and he's only, he's 24. So yeah. Chris Duarte, is, the thing is like, if, if you're the Pacers, there's also no benefit in trading him unless you're getting like a True. bounty. And I don't think anyone's giving you a bounty for that guy. Cause like, you know, that he's a low ceiling high floor type player, right? Like he's like, Absolutely. at that is best. He's like, an, like a really, really, really good role player on your team. Right. Who can light it up. So I don't know. And if you're the Pacers, you got a guy who's cost controlled. Like, do you really, care about trading him versus trading away some of the more expensive pieces you got it's tough honestly this is why the pacers is just like it's tough to be a pacer fan because like what do you hope for there's it's it's that is the true like when you talk about mediocrity 
that's mediocrity where you have no young players to be excited about and your best players aren't really that exciting or like that's why I like the Raptors when people complain about the Raptors being on a treadmill mediocrity or being like oh why make the play in or whatever I'm like you got a bunch there's of young players who are getting better every year every single dude goes back better the next year and they're so young and that's fun right like here's the thing you can go to play in this year and like we had a season where Norm uh didn't do anything until he got to the playoffs and then he became a fixture you had OG like just have a bad season and then it comes back next season amazing right who knows like even if this season does kind of go sideways whoever knows how it goes next season Malachi Flynn could just be like a regular rotation dude like he just suddenly become a really good player and that's kind of like the magic that you see and that's what I like to see from the bench guys is that when they play well you're like oh you see the picture that Bobby and Messiah are trying to draw so that stuff's all really cool but I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up here um Again, we talked about some of the inconsistencies. The starters are now kind of stabilized a little bit. They've been playing really well. Pascal has been a bright spot. Gary's having a good season. Scotty is in that rookie of the year conversation. It kind of feels like they got it together a little bit. Even I'd like to say Precious, when when he's healthy, he's been at, le- at the very least in defensive end recently has been not as many mental lapses there. You insert OG, you insert Kem. They're not going to be back anytime soon, but say this team kind of hovers around 500 and inserts those two back in the lineup. Like, is there some optimism there that maybe there's a push? No trades done, nothing. I'm totally totally with you, man. What do you think there's a ceiling the rest of the year? uh, Well, here's the thing. In the East, everybody's like a couple games up and down from 500. So it's like you can steal on these teams if if you get it together. Like, if these guys get healthy, I see no reason why they can't rack up five six like five wins and seven four wins and six like a bunch of those pairs to kind of end the season because like yo you got a bunch of teams that can like that are like iffy like yo chicago's a really good team offensively they've done great things but they can be got the wizards i'm not scared of them god the bucks have not been healthy all season like there's a and the sixers haven't really been healthy they just got healthy and like they can also be got there's a lot of teams that it's it's a tough snakes struggling yeah yep so there's no reason why you can't. And especially with just like, my thing is I always think back to that 2019 season. Yes, you had a 2020 season where you had, yes, you had Kyle Lowry, but Kyle Lowry was hurt for a lot of the part where Pascal and Fred were leading that team. And that team worked because they had just enough good guys to hold it together where you just had to count on young guys to come and hit a couple shots here and there. Mm-hmm. This season, if you can get to a spot where you have Fred, Gary, OG, Pascal, Kem, Scotty, that's six dudes. You just cost six reliable dudes. Gotta find a couple you others. You just need three other guys. Precious has been solid enough in his minutes where if he's only playing 20 minutes, it's solid. Utah can give you 15 to 20 good minutes. So now you're just like, you need one guy every night to fill that ninth spot. And that's where this team gets dangerous, right? Like that's, if you can get to healthy, it's fantastic. But they're just I, like, I bro, cooking. I just need, I just need like, stop. Like, how are you supposed to win a game when both your centers are injured and OG's injured? Like the, the three players that do not have replacement players on the team, they're all hurt. And it's like, damn. And that sucks. And they're wasting like what the other night uh, before I wrap up uh, this portion, like Pascal was fantastic. Shout out Pascal. Got me to parlay win. I've been on your ass these last couple of years. You held me down parlay win. you played just two way demon, big block hit a couple threes, make play for others. And then it's just like, oh, we give up an open three to what's his name? Mascala. Oh my God. And Shea Penny's been in his own right. Solid at a very few minutes. I'm just like, ah, uh, like just, we're, we're kind of wasting some of these really good performances from the starters. Uh, I got one last question to ask you. 
uh, just to wrap up things here, who's your league pass team? Some of these East and Western teams that are unsung, not the mainstream guys that you're like, you know, you talk ball, you know, a lot of ball. What are you thinking? Like, damn, uh, I, I rock with this team. Yeah, there's a team I was watching the other day. I really enjoyed watching. Well, one thing, like right now, the Grizzlies have been super fun to watch. Like I've enjoyed watching the, the Grizzlies, but like, man, like, let me get this team. Where the hell did they go? I'm just blanking right now. I'm very tired the last couple of days, but um, like, yo, there have been teams that have been ripping it off in the West. Like the Warriors and Suns have been awesome. The Denver Denver Nuggets, like, like they've been kind of using. Here's the thing. Yep. I Jokic love Jokic so much, bro. Jokic, like, Jokic is like, if I if I ever felt like I could get into shape, get back into shape to play ball again, <laughs> that, that, that guy does direct. all the things that I'm thinking about doing. I'm like, yo, to be the biggest dude here, play point center, throw just dimes nightly that guy's <laughs> hella fun um and then the hornets the hornets are probably i think the most fun team to randomly watch because every game's 140 points they might win they yep. might lose you don't know but you know that there's going to be a dude so much swag too anytime someone's hitting a dunk michigan made my you know michigan stayed uh flint michigan uh i i rock with miles bridges that, that's a good one uh and just i'm glad you brought up the nuggets will barton aaron gordon's been solid like they just they kind of figured out bones highland they just they're just they kind of remind me of the rappers of the east it's like they just find guys. It, it might not look this way uh, uh, this year with the Raptors, but the Raptors are one of those organizations too. It's like, who do who the hell is this guy? And why is he good? Like, why does he have 10 and five in eight minutes? So I'm glad you said that. That was a good one. But uh, we're, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, I know you're tired. Get some sleep. Uh, thank you, Sal, for coming on. Uh, where can we find you uh, socials wise? Some of the stuff that you do, content you create. Uh, you can just hit me up on Twitter. Uh, follow me there. Sometimes I hop on Sports Night Radio every so and so. Um, otherwise, you can catch me here right at Yahoo. Follow my guy Reese up here. Um, shoot hey, him a follow. He runs some pretty good spaces after games. So check Appreciate that out. It, my guy. And we're good to go. All right. This is Friday Views with Reese and Assad, sponsored by Yahoo, I guess, or Raptors Over Everything. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, we'll keep doing this every week. Take care. 